HR professionals, business owners, and operations at all levels are struggling to figure out what needs to change. Our system has been shocked, practices have been questioned, and conversations are finally happening. We all know there has been a huge shift in what people want. Inclusion and diversity are common phrases, but often misunderstood. Generations are coming together more than ever on what's important. Mental health has been brought to the forefront of everyone's mind. Let's humanize these conversations. Let's talk about what's important for employees to be successful in life and at their job, and how companies can create an environment to allow them to do both. Because successful people will make up a successful workforce. I'm Leanne Lovely. Let's get this conversation started. Maria Kellis is a sought-after leadership coach, intuitive business consultant, inspirational speaker, and best-selling author. With experience that spans multiple continents, Maria's journey is one of resilience, passion, and a dedication to elevate individuals and organizations in their pinnacle. An MIT graduate, she seamlessly merges her business acumen and spiritual insight to offer transformative strategies, particularly in transmuting adversity into triumph. Maria firmly believes in the transformative power of inner work to facilitate external success. Maria, thank you so much for joining me today. I am very excited to talk with you. Thank you for having me. So why don't you start off by um, telling my or the audience um, a little bit about yourself and you know who you are. Absolutely. And to start with, I'm excited to be here. I feel that the conversation around HR is incredibly important because HR tends to have a bad rep. It's almost that they're the, the, the people that everybody says, oh, who cares about HR? Or they're like, oh, we'll just use HR. It's like, it, it's a thing. And we forget the value that HR has in our lives, in our companies. I believe that our companies are stronger because of our human potential. In fact, a company can go down because the employees are not working to sustain the company and the company can survive or, or thrive because the employees care. And HR plays a central role in that. So I my, my background is that I used to be an engineer. I graduated from MIT. Then um, uh, I was in business. I actually graduated from Sloan School of Business and uh, at MIT. So I, I used to be in startups. I've always been in startups. And we've always had to hire people. And that's when my respect for hires came in. Because I realized that we, in, in the beginning, we always talked about the eight layers and how to hire those. And uh, I realized it's not just a player, it's a team. Everybody has a role. And it's not about looking at somebody as an individual, but looking at the team as a whole that makes a difference in the company. So I have had my own personal journey that got me to be who I am today. And uh, this journey has been I'm going to say difficult. Um, in 2004, I ended up being in a wheelchair and I had to 
learn how to walk again, which is not exactly as easy as it sounds. Well, actually, it's as difficult as it sounds. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I remember realizing that everything is a perspective. At the time, I had a tremendous amount of pain. And I realized, oh, I have a tremendous amount of neuropathic pain. So instead of thinking, hmm, I am broken, I realized, oh, I have something to work with. And I started saying that pain is not bad. It's just something I need to remap. And so I started remapping pain. I'm like, huh, that pain is hot. That pain is cold. That pain is movement. That means pain is standing up. That pain is falling down. <laughs> pain is hitting something because I didn't pay attention. That pain is wearing clothes. But that's when I realized that when we make things good and bad, we are judgmental and we're not really looking at what we have so coming back to hr when we look at people and we say well that person's good and that person's bad well are they they're just people are they motivated to work do they have a good heart do they have a good realization if they're there to clock in hours okay maybe i will agree with you but if they're there to do work it, it's not so much a employee problem but it's really a management problem did we train them properly did we give them all the resources they need are we supporting them are we taking care of more than just the business side are we taking care of the human side the emotional side so all those questions are kind of a non-judgmental way of looking at people and and just really being human yeah, there's so much. Um, well, first of all, I agree with everything that you just said. But there's so many nuances to a lot of, of what you said with, you know, nurturing. And it's really about putting people in the right seat on the bus, um, making sure that they that we have the proper expectations for each human individual. We can't put somebody in a spot and expect you know, a certain level of work if they don't have the proper training, the proper tools, the proper, you know, support, if we're not providing that to them as managers, right? Absolutely. And I find that we, we're, I, I'm, I'm going to just spell it out. We're in an age where AI is everywhere and it's only the beginning. So AI more and more is going to be taking care of the repetitive um, analytical tasks that we may or may not need anymore. So we need humans to be humans more than any other time. And we need humans to be the strong humans that they are. So if we're just making them trying to replicate machines, like there are little machines that do things repetitively, it's not going to work because first we have tools that right now are supplementing that and will become better. When I was in college, I, I remember I had written my thesis in a Mac and the Mac crashed at the time. And, and I had to like, I thankfully I had a printout and I had to retype the whole thing. Ugh. So this does not happen anymore. Right. The, the, we have cloud recordings and everything saved 
automatically and you don't have to remember to press control s it just saves and things like spell checking we we have grammarly and we have native tools in word and google docs i use google Docs these days but the english and and we have chat gpt when i want to write something i'm like give me five versions of this and and it does so jobs that used to be not so glamorous are sort of going to be disappearing so i believe that now we're really seeing the value of human potential which is the humanity and that's what we get to nurture Absolutely. And, you know, you say we have Grammarly, we have Spellcheck, we have, you know, Spellcheck is one thing, but having tools like Grammarly, that that checks, you know, that checks everything. Like, I remember when I was younger, and I was, um, I was at a, at a, early in my career at a job, and my boss was an English major. <laughs> And I would type up an email and I would send it to her and she would email me back with the reply. And then below, she would fix all of my grammar errors. I'm like, you've got to be kidding. <laughs> like, Okay, well, this is, you know, and I took it as a learning, you know, opportunity. But I was horrible. Horrible at spelling, horrible at grammar. Still am, still am to this day. But you wouldn't know because now we have, we've got Grammarly, we've got all of these AI tools that basically can make the worst writer in the world look like the best writer in the world. And in a sense, it's evening out the field. I feel that as we are becoming more and more international, as we are opening up our companies and ourselves to an international pool of talent, that people are not native English speakers, and that's okay. Mm -hmm. It's sort of now, uh, I am not a native English speaker and probably not the best writer. I use ChatGPT daily. I have an email. I type sort of what I want to say, and I'm like, okay, make it this tone. And then it does. And I don't have it. It, it changed my life. I, I used to say there's two technologies that changed my life cell phones and GPS. And I'm adding ChatGPT to that because up to now, the tools that we had for, um, so ghost writing or um i'm gonna say like just writing tools that they, they were okay but they sounded like a machine mm-hmm. and now it's about coming up with ideas so i i wrote an ebook that actually i can give to the audience uh which is uh the um ai and the yin yang so kind of marrying out older wisdom with modern tech and for enhancing leadership. And I purposely wrote that book using uh, ChatGPT for fun, because I'm like, let's see what happens. It took me all less than two weeks to write the ebook, which is to me tremendous. Mm-hmm. And I could see how if I wasn't in charge, if I wasn't telling the AI to, to go one direction or another, then it will just go somewhere else and I was like I don't know that this is what I want to say Mm -hmm. yet when I was really clear on the direction really clear on what I needed really clear where I was going then it became a dance it became an incredible experience a collaborative experience it's like I had my own personal writer that was available 
for any time I needed a writer, period. And and that was a game changer. Um, wow. And more than that, more than that, when I, at one point, I, I had done my own research and I'm like, oh, based on this research and these articles, can we talk, because I was writing about case studies and I'm like, well, can we talk about this study and and it replied i'm an ai i have access to the web i don't actually need your research but thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh is that funny oh it was hilarious i was laughing i'm like okay i guess i don't have to really do research i'll just like say well okay look at different articles and tell me what's happening right that i mean see and that's that's amazing and scary at the same time for it to come back, because you almost feel like you're talking to a person who's actually getting, you know, snippy or snarky or witty. <laughs> I don't know what the right word is, you know, for well, that. I'm going to go with witty, but uh, in a sense, that is the magic. Isn't that amazing, though? Like, to realize that we have built tools that make jobs that used to be sort of boring, sort of like um, repetitive. Mm-hmm. Um, become amazing, right? It, it, it it's almost like the sky is the limit. I I feel that we are at the time when the humanity of us is in the forefront, and that is what we need more than anything else. Right. And in a sense, I believe that it's not scary, but on the contrary, it's exciting mm-hmm. because finally. We can look at human potential as real human potential. Right. It's about really seeing that we don't need to make humans feel that they're not important or they can only do one level of job, that we can really elevate and connect at a whole different level. When I, I, I was in China for a talk in, in Shanghai, and uh, in my hotel, I, I had done, I, I had given my laundry to be done. Mm-hmm. And I, I called downstairs in the, in the reception and said, oh, can I have the laundry sent out? And they said, sure, certainly. A minute later, I got a call. Our colleague is at the door. I was like, okay. So I opened the door. What do I see? A little robot. It was a machine. It looked like a big trash can I guess with a window it had like a little face painted when I said when I opened the door it opened a little door a little window and it had my package and said hello your package has been delivered and I picked the package and then the the little like robot um, started going towards the elevator called the elevator and left with the elevator and I was like looking at this and I'm like I am living in the future right but it was amazing. I, I probably would have yeah, I probably would have followed it and been like, where does it go now? <laughs> it took the elevator to probably go to his next job. But I, I definitely took a video of that, let me tell you. But I was so impressed. So impressed because this is a job that somebody will have to have done. Otherwise, like remember the bellboys? Right. And who wants to be a bellboy, right? Right. Right. And and we we always talk about, well, robots are going to replace us, but somebody has to 
calibrate that. Somebody has to monitor it. Somebody has to make, so we're actually creating higher paying, better jobs for people so that they have the ability to learn new and better things. Because, I mean, the way of the world is just, it's just simply the way of the world. The more advanced we get, the more, you know, the more we, here's an example. And I use this example when I talk all the time. When I first started to read, I'm pretty sure I was, you know, like first grade-ish. You know, kindergarten, you start learning to identify your letters. You start to learn to count. And it's about playing and socialization, right? My daughter is five, and she's reading. She's writing. She's using computers in a way that I never, I mean, well, show my age I didn't have a computer in my home until I was in high school I mean we we didn't have that technology but now kids are growing up where my when she was two she could open up my iPhone and take pictures and play games and I'm like how did you know how to do that (laughs) you know like they watch you do something once on technology and they can repeat it just by seeing and that just shows the intelligence already in our kids abilities to do things with the use of technology now some would go you know some would say oh that's so bad you know we want our kids to be outside playing the way we did well the world is constantly evolving they're not going to go outside and play with sticks the way that we did because well they now have so much more to play with. We now are creating toys that are learning tools the way that we didn't have. We had sticks and rock. Well, okay, I'm exaggerating a little bit. I had more than sticks yeah. and rocks to play with, but you know, you get the point. Like, hey, I played with sticks and rocks well, because it was fun. I yes. I love what when I was little. Like my favorite game was to go in the mud and become like. I mean, poor mom, she had to wash my clothes, but I just like enjoyed being in the mud, like the whole thing, right? And I would like make a big muddy and make like little like things with my hands. And I thought it was like the cutest thing in the world. Like, and and I thought I was baking food, right? Because I was watching my mom make food. So I was like, oh, do you want like some some food that I made? And they were like, oh, laughing. They're like, oh, my my God, what did she do again? But, you know, there's a pleasure in that interaction with the ground, for example, right. and the earth. But there's also fun to to, to evolve. And I, I remember toys that we... My, my mom was obsessed with having smart toys for us. Mm-hmm. She, she would, like, track the whole entire... Um, I grew up in Athens. Uh, in in Greece and yep. so she would track the entire city to find like the one store that had like educational toys mm-hmm. and and as a result by the way I went to MIT and my two brothers also went to MIT so I'm just here to say that educational toys are very useful mm-hmm. and in a sense when we th- those toys are available now to uh to, to kids everywhere. When my, my first job out of MIT, believe it or not, was working for MIT at the MIT Media Lab as a researcher. 
And there was a group next to mine that uh, they were creating music using drawings. So I literally they took the the the, the notes and they they literally composed music. So you could draw lines and create opera. And suddenly, a little kid today can open up an application, draw a few lines and create music without having to learn 10 instruments. Right. So that creates an incredible ability where we can have new um, new learning. And I remember back in the in the day, like uh, Yo-Yo Ma was uh, coming to to the media lab to to play so they could track his but once the machines learn how to do it, then they could just compose music. Of course, of course, really, really smart programmers mm-hmm. were behind it. Um, there was, and and I give them full credit for an incredible job. Uh, yet, what I'm saying is that something that Mozart was able to play ten instruments by the age of ten, and so yeah, he became Mozart. Mm-hmm. But we haven't had composers since then, or not incredible composers or well-known because, well, it's not so easy. And who's going to spend that time, right? Whereas today, little kids, if they're musical and they have the the amazing creativity that they have, they can compose their own music without having to learn it. Right. Yeah. So I'm going to shift us back um, so we don't go too far off. Um, so yeah, I, no, we, we, I can talk forever about AI these days. <laughs> I'm so fascinated. So I've been really excited to talk to you about your teachings and how you use your background and experience to lead businesses. So let's talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. I believe that I take a very human-centric approach. I believe that everything starts with us. And also, I believe in the we, not so much the me. So when we create leaders, so my job is, uh, my, 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 my focus is on leaders and leadership. And I work with leaders, but I always say leadership always starts with self-leadership. Because if we cannot lead ourselves, then how will we lead anyone else? And it's not about control and manipulation. It's about vision and inspiration. So standing in our power today means very different things than what it meant in the past. We're no longer in the time of the pharaohs when we had slaves building the pyramids. Machines were doing that. So now we're at the stage where we can understand leadership at a different level, understanding the nuances and when I talk about the yin and yang, the balance, leadership, this is really the, the pinnacle of my work. I have a method that I use called the axis method. Because I always say, if you're in your center, just rotate around your center, around your axis, as it were. Mm-hmm. And it it really uses the idea of balance. So the first step is awareness. So we have the awareness of who we are, what we're doing, and the awareness of the problem. So we go in a very mindful way, introspective way, really understanding and taking perspective. Then the second part is execute for the x axis. And uh, when we are 
executives or we execute. Literally what we do is we take into action and our inspired action is really what drives the performance and results. Uh, which, and then we integrate the two. That's the I and the axis. By integrating awareness and execution, we really create extraordinary success, which is really the as and the axis. And this axis method may seem simple, but those steps are very, very deep. And every step is years and years of understanding and training in my life. I, I personally started with the X part because, well, I was uh, in the technology and I was in, um, I learned how to do the things using more, more the structure approach, the, the young approach, if we want to call it that. And the rest of my life, especially after the wheelchair, especially understanding uh, life on a much different level, was to understand the flow, what we call the flow, the amazing ability that we have that, by the way, is incredible in sales as well. The um, In sales, if we understand the flow, we can increase our results tenfold. Uh, so this is something that I want to say that we as humans have access to something called the flow that is so much better than what we ever had before. And this is really our human potential. So when I work with leaders, even if they may be managing a small team, and I'm like, oh, it's okay, you may just only be managing yourself. But I, I talk to them about this access method that allows them to have balance in their leadership and create extraordinary results. Now, may I ask, because you've brought up the wheelchair. Yeah. Now, did you, um, was that before? or after you founded Inspire Leadership Academy? That was before. It was so before. that was 2004. Yeah, correct. It was, okay, so it was quite a bit before. Oh, it was quite a few years ago. It took me, it changed my life. If, if you speak to people who had very difficult experiences, very often they will say, oh, best thing that happened in my life. And I can tell you best thing that happened in my life because I probably have forgotten the pain I went through. Um, but it was truly something that changed my life, changed the course of everything for me because I had to see the world in a way that I wasn't trained or willing to do before. And I I want to say I am truly grateful that I am now walking, not, not, not to say anything for those people who are still confined in a wheelchair. I mean, I, I was in a wheelchair for 18 months, so I'm, I have a lot of compassion and, and memories of that time. Um, but I do want to say that uh, to me, it, it started with a decision. And uh, it, it, it's almost that it was after I had graduated MIT, so I'm showing my age too. And uh, I, it was the beginning of my career. So I, had, I was already in startups. I was already in tech companies. Uh, and... It was almost like a game over for me. And I had to re reinvent life, restart everything. You know, and a lot of people that I have spoken with, um, a couple on my podcast have had traumatic events 
that have changed the trajectory of their life. And having gone through that, they look back on it and they will say that it was, while going through it was, you know, horrible, that it was painful, that it was, you know, everything that it, that it was at face value, but that, you know, when it's all said and done and they look back on it, that they wouldn't change anything because they come out the other side, you know, different, you know, like any human would, right? You experience something either traumatic because we have traumatic positive experiences where they are for all intents and purposes, something that's traumatic, but at the end of it, you go, oh my gosh, that was, that was quite amazing. While be it traumatic. And you have the traumatic events where it's like, my God, I, I can't believe I survived it. But you do walk away altered. And the people, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say the people who can walk away and learn something, you know, are, are just usually so much more powerful in their own right because they have the ability to learn something from an event that took place. Because if you, if you don't learn anything, then it was all for naught. I, I do want to say, I'm, I'm going to start by saying that I do work a lot with trauma and uh, people who carry trauma and, uh, I have to say that most of us carry some form of trauma. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as I had crazy neuropathic pain when I was in a wheelchair, but it, it can be, oh, you know, like I was bullied at school or I, so trauma is unfortunately a part of every human's experience. Right. And I, I believe say- that it is. They say changing, you know, changing careers, changing a job is a form of trauma. I mean, we have little traumas throughout our life. And then we have, you know, unfortunately, some have large traumas. And I I do want to say that I have, because I have been in this field and because I studied this, trauma is an intense event where we were not able to process the emotion. So there's a difference between drama and trauma. So an intense event is only becomes traumatic and stays with us and unfortunately is something that we have to carry until we release it um, only if we are not able to process our emotions. So I encourage people to always process their emotions in grief if they have to. Uh, one of my incredible clients uh, who's, oh, a rock star. She's amazing. She just had a miscarriage. And we've been taking two months to help her through that pain and that grief. Because most people, most women don't talk about miscarriages, let alone go through their grief. And then 20 years later, they find themselves finally addressing the trauma. So I'm like, well, you know, because I've seen the women 20 years later, how about we let you grieve? And it's been such an incredible growth experience for her. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that this is something that she will have chosen, and I'm not saying that this is fun, but 
it was something that could be very traumatic, but because she's processing the grief and it's taking her time and we're doing it slowly, she's really able to grow as a human and as a leader in ways that she had never been able to do before. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, now she's starting to have the gratitude and the appreciation for the event, even though it was extremely difficult to go through. I mean, I I don't wish it on anybody, although it is very common, 30% of women will miscarry. It is extremely common, but most women don't realize it until they've experienced it themselves and then have the courage to tell somebody. And when they, and it's amazing because when you acknowledge something that you're experiencing and -hmm. people see that you are authentic and that you are experiencing something, people are more likely, and I've experienced this in my own life, more likely to say, I understand what you're going through because it's also happened to me. And then you go, what? And you realize I also experienced a miscarriage. And I was told that I couldn't have a child. Um, And, you know, my husband and I were like, oh, okay, we can't have a child. Um, We went, we were considering and my audience knows this, um, we were considering adoption. Um, but when you, you know, and my, my employer knew I was pregnant. Um, and and then, so when I wasn't, it was kind of all of a sudden like, Oh, it's not, I can't keep it a secret. They're going to figure it out. Right. Yes. And it was, it was amazing. The amount of women that I was working with at that time, that called me and said, I know what you're going through. And I'm like, well, and you think, right, you kind of do. But and they're like, no, 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 you don't understand. I know what you're going through. And I went, oh, and then you have that outpour of people who have gone through it. And you go, wow, this is way more common than is ever, ever talked about, because it's not a conversation that comes up unless you know somebody who's going through it. Absolutely. And it's also something that is it, almost like a stigma when it shouldn't be. Right. It's okay. But but we were talking about drama and trauma. So yes, it is very dramatic and very difficult to go through this experience. And so, so for my client, I said, well, let's not let it be a trauma for you. Right. So when, when they first, when they first went to the doctor and, uh, the doctor said, oh, there's a problem. You need to have a, an abortion. Um, I was like, okay, is that really what you want? And she said, no. And I said, okay, how about you love your baby and then let it have its course. Let it have be natural. Mm-hmm. And and she did. So for three weeks, we were not sure what was going to happen. And for three weeks, she learned to love her baby. Even, it, it's funny because her learning experience was about learning how not to be perfect and i said okay so your baby's not perfect can you love it anyway she said absolutely i can i said do and she had the most loving experience 
And this allowed her to go through some serious trauma that she had from her childhood that she never addressed before. And she's becoming a better leader, a stronger leader. And her company, by the way, was doing amazing throughout. She's like, I don't know how, but I keep having sales. I'm like, okay, don't worry about that. Then. In a sense, it's almost like she didn't even have to work. Like she has her own company. So clients were just coming to her while she was going through one of the most difficult experiences of her life. And she was fine. And that realization that it that it's okay to take the time we need to grieve, to take the time to process our emotions, to take the time we need to heal, is extremely important. I find that sometimes we forget that we're human and that we have emotions. And it's almost like a badge of honor. Oh, when I was in school, it was a badge of honor not to sleep, to pull an all-nighter with school. Right. To to work overtime, to not to work weekends, but why did I need to do that? So it, it's almost like today I see those things that were considered amazing. I'm like, well, that's a very efficient way. I realize, and and I I push myself so much. Sometimes I think that the reason I end up in a wheelchair is because I had my body just shut down from being abused for so long. Right. And and I remember there was one week where I had never realized this before, but there was one week, it was finals, I had final projects, and I managed to stay awake for an entire week. I think I passed out for four hours the entire week. That was it. And I saw my intelligence and productivity go down. For the first time, I saw what tiredness means to humans. Mm-hmm. We don't function. We stop functioning. Right. So now I honor my sleep. I, when I sleep, I am so excited and I, I let myself sleep and I wake up with a fresh mind. I used to be what we will call a night owl. I will work like throughout the night and now I'm like, I wake up at three o'clock in some time or four in the morning and I work, but that's after a good night rest and my mind is fresh and happy. So I find that this is something that we cannot ignore that our physical needs are a fact and it's okay to take care of ourselves it's okay to give ourselves permission to be human so yeah. when, when i talk about this access method a for awareness stands for being human this is our humanity that gets to be strengthened. that's that's amazing and i um I talk about this a lot for um, about, you know, I'm first year entrepreneur, you know, being the workaholic that, you know, I, I shouldn't be because I talk about, you know, we need, we need to have our rest. We need to take care of us wellness wise. We need to, and it, and it, you're right. It, it, for so many, it's a badge of honor still. And there has been a huge shift of people going, yeah, you know, five o'clock, I'm done. Don't don't expect me to answer the phone. Um, and that is a rule with, you know, my family, no phones at the dinner table, all of that stuff, because you are completely and totally correct. Um, we should not live to work. We should work to live. Um, <clears throat> hands down. 
the most important and, thing because if we are only living to work then what is what is the point and i remember hearing a, a speaker talking about um you know finding the purpose and if your purpose is not with your family or with your health or with whatever that is that's personal then what is what is the point is it okay to take one step further and i believe that we're here to create i believe that we're here to produce extraordinary things um what i'm saying is that this balance is not about doing less it's about doing more with less time the one constraint that we have is time so when i'm exhausted and i can't function and i have no idea like i'm sitting there and yeah maybe physically i'm present but i'm not present so if i'm well rested then my mind is sharp and can do things really fast i remember it was one day i had this very difficult problem i can solve and i i have a commitment to exercise so i went swimming well guess what i had such incredible ideas while i was swimming I came back and I was like, okay, I solved the problem. And a friend of mine was like, Maria, yeah, of course you did, because water is such a nice element to be in. And I was like, oh, I should do more of my thinking in water. And and that was because I had the commitment that I'm not going to miss exercise, even if I have something that I didn't finish, because I value my exercise very much. And in a sense, self-care has become something that I do. So when i i don't always cook but when i when i eat i always eat healthy i may order in i may eat a protein bar but i know that whatever i put in my body is going to determine my performance and so i no longer think of this i i don't longer take my body for granted and i no longer take my life for granted I, what you're talking about our families our families, we, we are social animals. We are, our happiness is very much a function of the happiness in our family. And so having a well-balanced family with beautiful ways of communicating is in fact nurturing us and making us become more productive. One of the problems that companies face especially in the tech sector is innovation and creativity and they're like oh well how do we induce that and i'm like well you don't the humans do that what you do is you nurture the humans so they can be creative innovation is i i always study geniuses and how how do we get those genius moments to those moments that are not ordinary but they're extraordinary and those happen by allowing ourselves to be in this creative state of flow and that happens when we have less constraints not more constraints mm -hmm. when we allow ourselves to be more free and yes i i always describe the yin and the yang as the the river of life so the yang being the river bed so the container and the yin being the water the flow and both of them are required to not have a river if you dump a bunch of water it's not going to go in the line unless you have a river bed. Maybe at best it will become a lake or it will just get reabsorbed in the, in the, in the earth. 
-hmm. even when we so I think of you, you were talking about purpose. Our purpose is to choose the direction where our river is going to flow. And when we do that, we're streamlining our, our resources through systems and processes into that direction. And that's what creates our life, our direction, where we're going. Absolutely. And we are coming to time. I wish that we had more time to have this. This has been an amazing conversation. But um, the question of the season, what do you think will go down in the history books from what the world has experienced over the last three years? Oh, so many things. Definitely a ChatGPT, as I said, changed my life. So I'm going to put it out there. Um, and I believe that ChatGPT, maybe because of what Elon Musk said, but, but because it has come to the front front, it is something that we're finally discussing AI. And some people are scared. The, 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 the Writers Guild of America is on strike for months because of it. Um, and some people are realizing, well, like me, I'm super happy because suddenly I don't have to worry so much about the, um, about how to write simple things. And so I'm going to say the first one is going to be the, the rise of AI. Yeah. Um, in the last three years, I think we can still include COVID right. because it was the first time that we had a global response to a pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it was scary and it was extremely controlling. Um, this whole idea of isolation, uh, forcing people to stay in their houses was very difficult because our freedom was attacked in a way. Yet what I'm going to say is that suddenly we saw the advent of working from home. We realized that people at home, in fact, are producing better. And we are letting people stay more at home where they can have their home life. So our our home life balance is becoming more important. I mean, yes, yeah, some people are asking for employees to go back to work, um, to the office, but it's not really happening. People are quitting rather than going back to the office. Yep. And this has really changed the way we do business mm -hmm. because we're realizing it's not about having somebody in a seat. Being there and clocking hours is not the point. The point is, can you do the job? Right. And people, in fact, do a better job when they have to deliver results as opposed to clocking hours. Mm -hmm. And uh, so AI, uh, working from home, and uh, what will be the third thing? The difference in travel. We, I used to travel so much. And uh, with, um, with AI, we changed a lot of how we, we with AI, I'm sorry, with COVID, we, we changed a lot how we travel. Um, and uh, we, it, it's almost like we went backwards, but also in a more quality way. So for the first time in many years, I was reminded that there's borders, that there's countries that I had forgotten that. I will just hop on a plane and go to three countries in a day that I was totally fine with me. And this, I mean, there was one, one week where I went through 10 countries. Uh, so 
I, I remember it was like in Thailand, I went to Jamaica, I went to the United States, I went to Belgium, Greece, Cyprus, I, I don't remember it. But, but it was just like one week. And I, I now see the borders again. And in a sense, it's, it's good and bad. Um, the good thing is that I'm seeing the difference, but I'm also seeing that people are coming together in a way to bridge through cultural gaps mm-hmm. that I had never seen before. We're ordering everything online, and yeah, it looks a little bit different in every country, but that you know, every country has now gotten through this. And uh, um, in Thailand, for example, it was always hard to find things online, online, let alone European things. And uh, and then um, I believe that uh, travel has changed, and we have changed as we are. So we are almost creating homes that we have forgotten. Like I, I know so many people whose home had to be their car because they will sleep in their car, they will eat in their car, they will change in their car. And in a sense, we're reclaiming our homes. Mm-hmm. And and I feel that that's a shift as well. But yeah. It's if somebody wanted to reach out to you, how would they go about doing that? Absolutely. The easiest way is to go through my website, uh, mariakellis.com. That's M-A-A-R-I-A. And Kellis with double L. So K-E-L-L-I-S, mariakellis.com. And they can actually pick up the book, the ebook I was describing, the uh, AI and the yin yang. So this idea that, that this balance idea that they can find there. And uh, they, they can also reach out to the team and uh, we'll be happy to accommodate. I am always excited to talk to people who have listened to me talk, answer questions, or talk to them about how this can help them in their lives. So they can absolutely book a time to talk with me. I would love that. Excellent. Thank you so much, Maria, for this conversation today. It's been absolutely amazing. Thank you again for listening to Let's Talk HR. I appreciate your time and support. Without you, the audience, this would not be possible. So don't forget that if you enjoyed this episode, to follow us, like us, or share us. Have a wonderful day.